Welcome to Being Better Podcast, where we explore the things that make us happier, wiser, and more productive beings. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am your host. Every week, I take a concept, a technique, or a story to learn how it will make us better. I hope that this show can help you become the person you've always wanted to be. So, here we go. and welcome to or welcome back to the Being Better podcast. It's great to have you here and I hope you're having a marvelous day so far. You can always let me know what you are doing and how are you and send me questions on our Instagram or by emailing podcast.beingbetter at gmail.com. And now let's jump right into the recommendation of this week, which is going to be a new podcast that I've fallen in love with called Choiceology with Dr. Katie Milkman. Katie Milkman is a behavioral psychologist and an author of How to Change, which is a new book that I am very looking forward to reading. And in every episode, Katie shares stories of high-stakes decisions and what research reveals that they can teach us. She explains our biases and thought patterns using real stories of world-class performers, as well as just normal people. And I really enjoyed the episode about the ostrich effect, which is also called, um, I believe, information avoidance, which is this kind of phenomenon that describes our tendency to ignore information that is uncomfortable, which I can very often observe in myself. So for example, some people, even though they show symptoms of an illness, choose to ignore them because they fear the diagnosis. And I also like the episode about the temptation bundling, which is a strategy that helps us make less pleasant activities more fun. And a good example of that is working out while watching a new series that you've been enjoying. So if you are interested about the psychology behind our decisions, go check out the Choiceology podcast and I will link it also in the episode description. But now I just want to move on to the topic of this week's episode because I am really, really excited about it. And today I want to talk about the power of perception. Or in other words, how the way we view the world, how we judge it, and what expectations we make for how it will be in the future, how it all influences our happiness and even our physiology. So to make myself a bit clearer, when I say perception, I mean it in the simplest term, um, just as the way we perceive the world around us. And I think this topic is truly under-discussed when people talk about happiness or goal-making and just pretty much human condition as a whole. I did a ton of research about this topic and I have a lot to say. Um, And to be frank with you, I don't think I've ever been... I don't know if I can say excited, maybe proud of an episode because I think it can really help a lot of people and I think that because it certainly changed my overall well-being and happiness. So how this episode is going to look is first I'm going to talk about how different ways we perceive the world affect us and then I'm going to quote some research and studies, which of course will be linked in the episode description. And at the end, I'm going to make a summary of what 
practices we should start in order to take advantage of the power of our perception. So let's start with probably the most popular research done about the influence of human perception, which is the study of the placebo effect. And I'm sure you have heard at least once in your life, and most probably many times in your life, about the influence of the placebo effect, either in medicine or economy, or when it comes to other areas of human activity. And you have probably experienced this effect with your own behavior too. Placebo was first discussed in medicine. In pharmaceutical trials, a control group of volunteers is given a sugar pill, which is a placebo, but no one in the trial knows if they are receiving the placebo or the real treatment, because all of the pills look the same. And this procedure makes it possible to determine if the medication is effective without the danger of people giving inaccurate reports. The placebo effect describes the fact that if one group of volunteers is given a sugar pill and another isn't given any treatment for an illness, the volunteers given the placebo tend to experience at least some of the reported benefits of that treatment. And I would say that the placebo effect is a way for our brain to make sure that our expectations match our beliefs. And there are two very interesting studies by Alia Kram about the placebo effect. And one of them, 84 female room attendants were divided into two groups. And one group was told that the work they do, which you know was cleaning the hotel rooms, was a great form of exercise. And the other group wasn't told anything about this. And although actual behavior did not change, four weeks after this intervention, the informed group of room attendants perceived themselves to be getting significantly more exercise than before. And I think what's probably most interesting about this is the result of that placebo, which is that compared with the control group, the women who believed that they were exercising showed a decrease in weight, blood pressure, body fat, uh, waist to hip ratio, and body mass index. So the bodies of the women who believed they were exercising actually showed the results that you get from exercising. And another mind-blowing study done by Aliyah is the famous milkshake study in which the same participants were given two milkshakes at different times in a day. And even though the milkshakes were completely identical from a nutritious standpoint, the participants were told that one of the milkshakes was a healthy 100 calorie diet milkshake and the other one was a 620 calorie indulgent milkshake but in truth the shakes had 300 calories each so both before and after the people in the study drank their shakes nurses measured their levels of the hormone called ghrelin which is responsible for the feeling of being hungry full and it can also slow down metabolism in case you don't find the food and the ghrelin levels dropped about three times more when people were consuming the indulgent shake or you know thought they were consuming the indulgent shake compared to when people were consuming their sensible shake or thought that's what they were drinking. So from both of these studies, we can see how 
our perception, which in this case is false, can even affect our physiology. For example, just because you think that the milkshake that you are drinking is a low-calorie one, you might not feel sated and still feel like you need to grab a snack, even though the milkshake might actually have more calories than you think. So this is proof that our expectations matter immensely. And it doesn't just apply to our exercise or diet. It applies to everything we do. If, for example, you wake up dreading going to work, guess what? It's going to be unpleasant to be there. Or if you expect that public speaking is going to make you stressed, when you will have to address something in front of a group of people, you're going to be nervous and possibly even stutter through your words. I'm going to talk about using the placebo effect to our advantage later on, but I also want to address uh, the other ways in which our perception has a huge impact on our lives. And the other trend that we can observe within our thought patterns is labeling. And labeling is, as you might think, uh, thinking that the situation we are in is boring or annoying or scary or joyful or that the person that we are talking to is arrogant or that is mean or is the intelligent kind or the dumb one or whatever else you label them. So if you start paying attention to the way you think, you will quickly realize that humans have a very strong tendency to judgment and to labeling. And it's often unconscious judgment. So for instance, we unconsciously label going to the gym as a difficult activity that is also not pleasant. And as a result, we also unconsciously dread going to the gym and we put it off. But it's often a completely irrelevant fear. Because without labeling a workout, for example, as painful and being present while doing that workout, exercise can turn out to be a very pleasant experience. I mean, sure, it sometimes hurts, but this doesn't mean that you have to label it as bad and avoid it at any cost. I think it is crucial to become aware of the labeling tendency of our mind. It can become a way of unconsciously self-sabotaging our goals. I mean, labeling something as unpleasant or as hard can cause procrastination and therefore you can be failing at trying to build a habit of for example reading every day and wondering why you cannot help but procrastinate and the reason might be that through labeling your mind made a connection between the action of reading and the feeling of being bored Eckhart Tolle in his book A New Earth, which I think I brought up at least three times in this podcast so far, writes uh, about labeling and how it can be a cause of certain emotions. And I really, really like how he puts it. He writes, indirectly, an emotion can be a response to an actual situation or event, but it will be a response to the event seen through the filter of a mental interpretation, the filter of thought 
That is to say, through the mental concept of good and bad, like and dislike, me and mine. Although the body is very intelligent, it cannot tell the difference between an actual situation and a thought. It reacts to every thought as if it were a reality. It doesn't know it is just a thought. To the body, a worrisome, fearful thought means I am in danger and it responds accordingly even though you might be lying in a warm and comfortable bed at night. The heart beats faster, muscles contract, breathing becomes rapid. There's a buildup of energy, but since the danger is only a mental fiction, the energy has no outlet. Part of it is fed back to the mind and generates even more anxious thought. The rest of the energy turns toxic and interferes with the harmonious functioning of the body. So you can see how harmful this trend can be. I would even go as far as to say that labeling can even keep us away from achievements because as a result of labeling, we often write off the possibility of trying something new, even though it can make us happier or, or healthier. So for instance, even though there can be a person who hasn't even tried running, they might confidently say that they couldn't ever run a marathon. When it's utter bullshit and there is nothing keeping them from it, apart from their own preconceived notion of running being something extremely hard and out of their reach, when actually there's nothing stopping them. And another way in which the way we perceive reality changes our mindset is being mindful. And I think it is good to start with the question, what really is mindfulness? And while it is usually defined as a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts and bodily sensations. So in contrast to mindlessness, which is a state of being on autopilot, so to speak, mindfulness is a state of noticing our current activity and environment. When you are mindless and you see something, you are reliant on categories and distinctions made in the past and in which you are context-dependent and as such, you can be oblivious to novel aspects of that situation. However, when you are mindful, or in other words, aware of the present moment, you are in a state of openness to novelty in which you actively construct categories and distinctions and not come back to categories and distinctions made in the past. So by being mindful or fully present, we free ourselves from obsessing about our past mistakes as well as our fears about the future. We no longer perceive the world through the filter of our own mental baggage, which let's be honest, everyone has. So instead, we perceive the reality as it truly is, noticing the warmth of the coffee, the delicate sunlight, and we start to actually listen to the person we are talking to instead of just waiting for our turn to speak, which I am definitely guilty of. But being mindful has other 
psychological and physiological effects on us, such as um, improved working memory, higher attention spam, lower levels of anxiety, reduced emotional reactivity, which, for example, are sudden bursts of anger. Interestingly, also enhanced visual attention processing, reduced stress, and the higher ability to manage physical pain. Also, an instructor in radiology at HMS and a neuroscientist, Gail Desporters, said that in depressed patients, the training of mindfulness boosts body awareness in the moment, which by focusing their attention on the here and now arms participants to break the cycle of self-rumination. So in this way, mindfulness can even help with depression. And last but certainly not least aspect of why the way we perceive the world is so powerful is gratitude. And I think it is pretty self-explanatory how being grateful influences our well-being and and our mindset. Gratitude can make our lives happier and more satisfying. I think that when we feel gratitude, we benefit from the pleasant memory of a positive event in our life. And also, when we express our gratitude to others, we strengthen our relationship with them. Because sometimes our thank you is said so casually and quickly that it is nearly meaningless. That's why gratitude expressed out loud strengthens not only the relationship we have with ourselves, but also with the ones closest to us. For me personally, the biggest benefit of having a gratitude practice is that it makes me gain a better perspective and objectively look at my life. All the problems that I'm currently having become insignificant when I appreciate all the good in my life, from the running water in my tap to the relationships in my life. It makes me look at my life from the perspective of a third person and understand that overall my life is pretty great. Dr. Martin Seligman, who is the founding father of positive psychology, which is a movement premised on how to relieve suffering rather than just to amplify well-being, um, well, he recommends doing the three blessings exercise which under various names has become a very very popular practice all around the world and I think you probably have heard of it as well. Dr. Sigmund says that we think too much about what goes wrong and not enough about what goes right in our lives. Of course, sometimes it makes sense to analyze bad events so that we can learn from them and avoid them in the future. However, people tend to spend much more time thinking about what is bad in their life rather than what is helpful. And worse, uh, this focus on negative events sets us up for anxiety and depression. And one way to keep this from happening is to get better at thinking about and savoring what went well. So the three blessings exercise goes like this. Every night for the next week, set aside 10 minutes before you go to sleep. Write down three things that went well and why they went well. You may use a journal or your computer or your calendar to write about the events or the things or the people 
that brought you joy. But it is important that you have a physical record of what you wrote. The three things don't need to be earth-shaking in importance, but they can be. I personally started to do this in my calendar. Each morning when I sit to check what I have to do that day, I sit down and write there are three things that I'm grateful for and I found that doing it in the morning sets up a nice tone for the rest of the day and it has really made me happier and more appreciative also during the day, not only when I write it down but also in the evening when it's been a couple of hours since I wrote my gratitude. And now I want to move on and talk about how to take advantage of the power of our perception because I explained the different aspects of how our perception has such a big influence on us but really what should we do? What can we take away from this episode? And then let's start with placebo. So placebo is mainly about making expectations about how the day is going to look like or how the date or how the meeting or how something is going to go. And I think what we should learn from the placebo and from the research that I talked about in this episode about the milkshake study and about uh, the room attendant study is that we should always expect that it's going to be okay and that we are going to have fun. We shouldn't make unrealistic expectations But we should expect that we are going to have fun because if we believe so, according to the placebo, it is really going to be fun. So eat good food and exercise, but also focus on believing that this truly makes your body nourished and stronger. And when it comes to labeling, I think we should stop our judgments. We should accept the present moment as it is, without thinking of it in a negative or positive way. We should appreciate the incredible privilege of getting to live through that moment and not focus on how it compares with other moments in our lives or in the lives of others. So when you meet someone, don't think about if that person is annoying or mean or kind or whatever. Just see that person as they are without labeling them as something and be grateful for chatting with them. When it comes to mindfulness, I think it's incredibly easy to start practicing mindfulness just right away, right now in the comfort of your own home. You don't even need to meditate. I think just while you're walking somewhere, for instance, draw your awareness to what you are doing. Notice how each step feels, how the breeze touches your skin or ruffles your clothes. If you are walking past trees or water, listen to the sounds and note the colors. Experience them all with mindfulness on the here and now. And you can apply that to any other activities, not only to walking, but to eating, to talking, to sitting, to waiting. And establish these short mindfulness practices throughout your day. And lastly, 
With gratitude, I think it is really important to start practicing the three blessings exercise in your journal or in your calendar. I found that extremely helpful and there are numerous, numerous studies that are showing how this has a real effect on our lives. I decided not to quote any more studies because I think uh, the episode is long enough as it is, but if you are interested, just search three blessings exercise study and I'm sure you will find something interesting. So that is all about the power of our perception. I hope you found this helpful and that you can start implementing all of the things that I talked about today in your own life. And before we part ways, I want to quickly move on to the segment, which is the insights of the week. And this past week, I realized that humans are really not that different from other animals. And it might seem obvious. However, in the way we are taught and in the way we act and in the way we treat other animals, we can see that most of us think that we are not animals, that we are somehow higher in the hierarchy and it gives us privilege and it gives us the right to treat other animals like they are worthless. But I think these days, through research, we are finding that all of the things we used to think were only human qualities are actually found in different species. So, for example, we used to think that using tools is an exclusively human quality. However, it has been found that chimpanzees use tools when they eat and birds use tools to make their nests. Chimpanzees and gorillas also have been proved to understand the concept of a death which we also used to think that only we as a species know that we are going to die, when it actually turns out that it is not the case. And chimpanzees grieve and other animals also grieve. And whales have their own language and they make very complex relationships. Elephants have great memories and... They have been known to even medicate themselves when sick by chewing the leaves of specific trees depending on their illness. Elephants also bury their dead in a ritualistic way, which is the only other species on earth to do so beside humans, but they do it. Also, pigs have been found to have an intelligence of a three year old they are even smarter than dogs and for example mother pigs have been found to sing to their piglets while they are nursing they also excel at video games that would be hard for a young child and sometimes better even than primates and i realized this because i was thinking about how we are so removed these days from nature from our usual natural habitat and I don't mean that I don't mean to say that it's completely bad and that I want to sleep under a tree because I really like my bed and I really don't mind sleeping under a duvet however I think that we have to remember that exploiting 
earth and our environment will only bite us in the ass and will only be harmful to us because we are a part of it and we are very dependent on it and we are not better than any other animal. We actually are very similar and sure we have bigger brains and we can think a little bit more clearly but just because other animals don't show their intelligence in the same way we do doesn't mean that we are somehow better. And at the end of the day, if we exploit Earth to the point where natural disasters happen daily and we will become extinct, you know, Earth will get better and will start over again with new, better forms of life Just as the dinosaurs were extinct, we might become extinct too if we don't wake up and realize that we are not removed from this whole ecosystem and we are a part of it and we should take care of it. This has been my insight of the week about the incredible intelligence of other animals. I hope you found it interesting and I hope you found this whole episode helpful. I want to thank you so much for listening and I will speak to you in the next one. edited and produced by Julia Spohr. If you want to learn more, visit the website attached in the episode description or visit the Instagram page, which you can also find in the episode description or by searching Being Better Podcast. If you want to support the show, there are a couple of ways to do that. The first one is just to tell your friends and family about the show. Tell them why you like it and why they could like it as well. You can also share it on your social media platforms. And another way to support us is to write a review, rate and subscribe to the podcast because that helps new listeners find the show as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will speak to you very, very soon.